This is One-on-One's NFL Friday, bringing your weekly Jets, Giants, and NFL talk from WFUV Sports. With top guests, weekly fantasy advice, and opinionated analysis, this is One-on-One's NFL Friday. It's that time of the week again, everybody's favorite podcast, NFL Friday, Week 5. It's Vinny DeBellis, joined by Charlie Maizano and Jimmy Sullivan. Chris Baccio will be along for the fantasy updates. We'll have uh, busts, uh, who, who to play this week, duds. How, how are you guys doing? Doing pretty good. good. Glad to be on the podcast. Happy I haven't be been here. on all, all season. Better to get started late than never, you know? 100%. Now, let's just get right into it. Last night, the Patriots continued their winning ways, 38-24 victory over the Colts. It was a convincing win. The It, it wasn't really that close of a game. It seemed like the, the Pats were in control for most of it. Um, gave up some garbage points at the end to the Colts. But what what'd you guys make of that one overall? Um, I, I think that the fact that Tom Brady was able to get Julian Edelman and Rob Gronkowski in the same lineup since 2016 was huge. And again, Tom Brady made history last night, throwing his 500th career touchdown pass and throwing his 70 his uh throwing a touchdown to his 71st different receiver. Insane. Which is the most in NFL history. So more history for Brady. I think this Patriots team is getting scarier by the week. And I wanted to pay attention to who that 71st receiver was because it's Josh Gordon. And you have a team that's already so talented on offense. You've got the greatest quarterback of all time. And then you add Josh Gordon to it. Granted, two catches, 50 yards last night. He did have a really nice touchdown catch and double coverage. He's going to be huge for this Patriots team going down the stretch. He's sort of a deep threat that they didn't really have other than maybe Gronkowski. So it's just a totally different dimension for this Patriots offense where they're looking like they could be even more absurdly good than they already were. So it's pretty frightening if you're a team and you see the Patriots on your schedule because now you got to deal with Edelman, Gronkowski, and Gordon all in the same lineup. And also you've got guys like Chris Hogan who are also really talented as well. Let's not forget James White who, I mean, had Mm. zero rushing yards and ended up with – a receiving touchdown and just went wild uh, with catching balls in the backfield. Yeah, I knew that the hard way in fantasy this week. So yeah, it hurts. And I was on the I was on the other end of that. So you know, I'll, ne- never too early to uh, get some points on a Thursday night. It's nice being up thirty as I, as I am on Jimmy right now. But as we know, it's a it's a long fantasy week and that that lead could disappear. But I couldn't agree with you more about the the points of just how how many weapons there are on this Patriots team, and I feel like a lot of them to this point have been underperforming, and they're still putting up 38 points. Edelman did not seem his normal self yesterday. He's going to get better as time goes on. Gordon's just figuring out the playbook. You know, he's just going to get better. Gronk hasn't been Gronk this year, and a lot of that is because he's seen double coverage. And, and you know, Sonny Michel, a guy we didn't really mention, he's looking like a viable running back option. When's the last time the Patriots had like a – as great as LeGarrette Blount was, you know, it, it's a different type of running back, and I think he could be a guy that they invest in in the future and turns into a maybe a top 10 back in the league. I think he has the tools. They got a great one-two punch in James White and Sony Michelle. I mean, he scored a touchdown now in two consecutive weeks. He's shifty. He makes plays. He's nothing like the Patriots have had in recent years, like you said, with LeGarrette Blount. It just changes that offense completely. 
Yeah, and there's so much talent there because you know that Michelle, if he's in the game, it might be more likely to be a run because he had 18 carries last night and James White only had two. So when White's in the game, it's probably more of a passing situation, particularly on third down. And you can think that all you want, and that's well and good, but it's another thing to stop it, and defenses just haven't been able to do that because White's got so much speed, so shifty out of the backfield. And Tom Brady and that offense, they know how to get him the ball in space where where he can really do a lot of damage to defenses. So a lot of different dimensions for this Patriots offense right now. Granted, a bad Colts team they beat, but nonetheless, they're looking pretty scary. Yeah, and then just on the other end of things, you, you just mentioned the Colts. 1-4 right now. Andrew Luck yesterday in his return season – Three touchdowns, two picks, 365 yards, and as I said earlier, a lot of those sort of garbage yards late, but I thought Luck, for the most part, looked pretty good yesterday. Uh, The two interceptions, I know at least one of them was not his fault whatsoever, sort of a bobbled ball, and he's not working with much. The the line is not great, T.Y. Hilton uh, battling injury issues, so he, he doesn't have much to work with, but I still am of the belief that Andrew Luck, when he is surrounded by talent, is... I don't know if I want to say premier quarterback in the league, but definitely a top 12 quarterback. You think that's fair to say? No, I think he definitely is a premier quarterback when okay. he has weapons. I mean, as long as the Colts – next this year's a wash at this point. Yeah. Next year, I think if they get a good offensive line, they've already started by getting uh, that guy in the draft this year. Quentin, uh, Nelson. Quentin Nelson, yeah. he They, they have a, a good piece there. Then if they get something good on defense, if they get good pieces on defense, they need more wide receivers. I mean, mm-hmm. last last night with T.Y. Hilton out, their number one wide receiver was Grant, and then they had Pascal. That's not going to cut it for Andrew Luck. They also need a new running back, Naeem, Naeem uh, Hines. He was he was fine. He was good catching the ball in the backfield. But Wilkins and Hines are not the running backs of the future. They need, they're going to have a, to- a top pick this year. They'll probably maybe go out and get a running back or maybe some offensive line help. But overall, I think if – Andrew Luck has some weapons with him. I think this is a good Super Bowl contender team. And also, last night, Eric Ebron, two touchdowns, nine receptions for 105 yards. He was really not good in Detroit. Now, already, he's turning his his career around with Indianapolis. And, Charlie, I'm glad you mentioned the running game because if you look at the pass attempts for Andrew Luck in his first five games, it goes 53-31. That was the game they won over Washington. 40, 62, and 59. So he's had to throw it a lot. He's been really good the last two games. 464 yards against Houston, four TDs, no picks. Then 365 yards last night, three TDs, two picks. But Vinny, like you said, he's just not working with a lot right now. They don't have the receivers. They don't have the talent. You knew this year was kind of going to be a wash for Indianapolis, but I think you have to be thrilled with the way Andrew Luck's playing. He comes off the shoulder injury, hasn't played in two years, and he comes back. And he's firing. Maybe the arm strength's not all there. I mean, I saw at the end of the Philadelphia game they had to pull him out for the Hail Mary. So that's something you worry about. But the way he's still been accurate and picking apart defenses, you have to be thrilled with that if you're Frank Reich. Yeah, so I think he is, uh, you know, he's headed on the right path. And the the Colts fans can sort of breathe a sigh of relief after there, there was a lot of doubt what kind of quarterback he would come back as. And I think they're a few pieces away from really putting it together 100%, but it, it's looking in the right direction for the Colts. Another matchup I wanted to highlight quickly before we get into uh, fantasy matchups, as, as I look through all the games this week, the one I have circled, Jacksonville KC, two teams that started off the year great. Kansas City is hosting Jacksonville, Kansas City 4-0, the Jags are 3-1. and I'm not going to give away my pick just yet because we'll save that for pick at the end of the show, but that one I have circled, it's it's KC's dynamic offense and Mahomes and Tyreek Hill and everything uh, behind Andy Reid and that magnificent offense so far against Jacksonville, real stout defense. 
and they've been, they've been getting it done offensively. They sure, sure were able to do that last week against the Jets, so I think that's going to be the game of the week. I uh, completely agree with you. This is going to be the game of the week. Too bad it's not on primetime, but, mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> Kansas City's been on plenty of primetime games, and they're going to be on plenty more later in the season. But overall, Patrick Mahomes against um, a really, really good Jacksonville Jaguars defense, second in the league. The Bears have the number one defense this year. I'm After they got Cleo Mack, that was pretty much a lock that they would be an, an unbelievable defense. But, um, yeah, I mean, also they don't have Leonard Fournette again this week. He'll probably be out another two weeks. So I'm interested to see how the 30th-ranked defense of Kansas City is going to be able to stop T.J. Eldon and the rest of the offensive weapons that Jacksonville has. Well, their defense really hasn't played a good game yet this season, Kansas City. It's just their offense is able to outshoot everybody. I mean, last week, Pat Mahomes, absolutely electric on Monday night. He throws the pass left-handed to Tyreek Hill on third down. He's doing things that we haven't seen since maybe like Brett Favre, John Elway. I heard somebody he has a lot compare. of Favre in him, man. He, he really does. He's a gunslinger, throws it across his body, totally on target. It's just unbelievable the things he's able to do. This is the best defense He's probably going to face all season, and I want I want to see what he does because man, that kid is fun to watch, and I'm I'm happy that he's getting the chance to play right now. And it's funny because last week everyone was saying how the Broncos would be the best defense he's faced all year up to that point. Now he's he's going up against a Jacksonville defense who's even better. So we'll have to see how Patrick Mahomes does in this for this test. Yeah, yeah, I mean for this year, I mean he's pretty much the MVP of the league in the first month of the season when you think about it. Eh, so it's I mean, pretty wild. Jared Goff is up there too. He is. He is. I think Mahomes has a slight edge right now, but he couldn't go wrong with with either choice. It's going to be interesting to see how quickly he adjusts because he did have trouble with Denver, I'd say, for the first half, but then he adjusted and had that magnificent uh, fourth-quarter comeback. So that's the game we all have circled. We're going to send it over to Chris Bocci right now for our fantasy update number one and then go into my Jets update for the week, and then we'll be coming, we'll be talking Jets coming out of that. But first, who should we start, Chris, in our in, on our fantasy teams? All right, guys, I'm going to give you Studs, three guys I want to start. Let's start with Matt Breida, San Francisco running back. He's going to be in Arizona. The Cardinals have been run on more than any team in the National Football League. He played 38 snaps last week, and he's on an offense that lacks luster if you look anywhere else. I think Matt Breida is a guy that's a solid RB2 for the rest of the season. And if I asked you who led the Cincinnati Bengals in receptions, targets, routes, and receiving yards you probably wouldn't tell me Tyler Boyd and albeit somewhat skewed because AJ Green was banged up one game Boyd is leading the Bengal is the leading Bengals receiver and I'm starting him against Miami Miami's three and one record is a front and then third I want to get to what you guys were talking about Pat Mahomes this guy is a stud I don't care if he's playing Jacksonville they are one of the best defenses in the league but you can't sit Pat Mahomes he's the top quarterback in fantasy and he's one of the top quarterbacks emerging as in the National Football League. Those are my studs, guys. The Jets were outplayed in every facet of the game against the Jags in Week 4. Defensively, the Jets limited Jacksonville to field goals early and came up with some big turnovers throughout the game. But ultimately, D.D. Westbrook and Dante Moncrief were too much for gangrene, each going for over 100 yards receiving. Offensively, Sam Darnold could never really get it going. There were opportunities, but the offense never really clicked, and it was too little too late again for the Jets. This Sunday, the Jets are back home against the Broncos. Fresh off a heartbreaking Monday night loss against the Chiefs, Denver will be hungry, and head coach Todd Bowles knows just how difficult it's going to be to stop a team like Denver that does so many different things well. 
Uh, they run the ball very well. They got two explosive backs, uh, two huge receivers, one quick receiver. Quarterbacks playing good balls, offensive lines blocking. Obviously, they have premier pass rushers. They have great corners. Brandon Marshall's playing good ball in the middle. They have smart safeties and very solid, disciplined D linemen. Well coached team. Expect the Broncos' pass rush to give the Jets trouble. And as much as Darnold has shown promise so far, it's going to be tough for him to adjust to the Broncos' D as easily as fellow young quarterback Patrick Mahomes did last week. Offensively, Case Keenum is a lot like Bortles in the sense that he's more of a game manager than a quarterback who's going to try to take over the game. With that being said, new weapons like Phillip Lindsay and Royce Freeman could give the Jets fits. In the past game, the Jets need to let Darnold loose and get more receivers involved outside of Quincy Anunua. Even with the Broncos on the road and coming off a short week, they've been the more consistent team of the two throughout the season thus far. I see the Jets struggling with penalties and pass protection this Sunday in a close loss. 21-18 Broncos. Covering the... For WFUV Sports, I'm Vinny DeBellis. So that was my pick on the Jets game. Before I got the information today that the Jets defensive coordinator, Casey Rogers, is unlikely to coach Sunday in a bizarre situation. He has an undisclosed but serious illness that, that he's missing. And uh, obviously we wish him the best, but it, it's a bizarre situation. And the Jets defense has not been up to par, even though, like I said, last week they got some big turnovers. But Didi Westbrook was ridiculous. It seemed like I think he finished with about 120 yards. Moncrief also over 100 yards. It was not a consistent effort from the Jets D. And getting a few big turnovers is not going to be enough, especially when they're not this offensive powerhouse that really needs to that needs to execute in order for them to win games. I mean, after week one where they had five picks and two TDs, you figured this Jets defense is going to be unreal this year. But at, at every week they've been playing, they've just their production has gone down and down and the offense has gotten worse. Um, Jamal Adams, after week one, he tweeted out, this Jets team is different, the culture is different. <laughs> the record's still one and three. They got to come out and play against the Broncos. They absolutely do. And I mean, think about it this way. Week one, they pick off Matt Stafford four times. They get a defensive touchdown. By week four, Blake Bortles throws to 388 yards on the defense. It's not good for the Jets right now. And granted, they're going to lose even more because Casey Rogers is going to be out. Granted, you could argue about a lot of the play calling, especially you know the blitzing on third down, which I don't love at all, and it's sort of inconsistent and up and down. But it's a Jets team that I think the first week of the year they beat the Lions, who were not very good, and everybody said, oh, wow, this is incredible. This Jets team's different, like you said with Jamal Adams. And now we sort of see the regression where they don't play well against Miami. They lay an egg on Thursday night against the Browns, and then they lose to the Jaguars. So it's just a Jets team that they are what we thought they were, to quote Dennis Green back yeah. in the day. And we didn't want to believe that after week one, but now we see they're 1-3. and three. They're probably about where they were last year, 5-11, and 6-10. This is what the Jets are. They're just not very good. Yeah, and it'll be good to be back home for the Jets. And somehow they're favored in this game. I, I think a lot of that because Denver's coming off of a short week, heartbreaking loss against Kansas City. But I'm thinking that could in some ways work in Denver's favor in the sense that they're going to be hungrier, uh, maybe a little more motivated because they had that Kansas City game. They would have been 3-1, and one, and it was right there if they just get a few stops in that fourth quarter if Mahomes doesn't make a tremendous play with, with the left hand. So, you know, I, I like Denver in this game. Uh, but for you guys, do you think being on the short – I mean, obviously the short week I think is uh, 
objectively a, a negative. But do you think losing a close game like that on Monday night is a pro or a con for Denver on that side of things? I think it's a pro because, like you said, I think that they're going to come out with with a lot of fire in their in their stomachs. They're going to want to go out there and punch the Jets' offense and both sides of the ball. They're going to want to punch them down while punch them while they're down. I mean, the Jets' offense is ranked 27th in the league. Sam Darnold has not played up to par since that Week One performance. They're going to try and feast on the rookie quarterback. I'll take the other end of that. I'll say it's a con because that's just such a deflating loss in division. Could have pulled into a tie for the lead. Now you're down to 2-2. Two and two. Kansas City looks unstoppable. You're probably not going to catch them. You're coming off a short week, coming east for a 1 o'clock game. I don't. Well, I wouldn't be surprised if the energy is low to start for Denver. It's a good team, but they probably should have had that game, you could argue. They even had a play late in the game where Keenum had a wide open Demarius Thomas mm. and he missed him. So I think the way they lost that game, I'm actually going to say it's a con. Jimmy, we're in Week Five. There's, oh, I know. There's no way. <laughs> I know. The Kansas City have not. Kansas City Chiefs have not wrapped up the AFC West. No, no, no. I'm not saying they have. It's just the way they look and the way they play. Those are the games you're going to want to get because Kansas City, they've got an amazing quarterback. They've got a defense that hasn't even played well yet. If they get Eric Berry back and they play well, they that's a team that could be. I one agree, of the best but in the I league. just don't like. Like I said before, this division is no way. Uh, over the the Kansas City Chiefs have not won the division in we after four weeks of playing. Yeah, I mean the Chargers have underperformed. If you just look at those standings right now, Kansas City four and zero, Denver two and two, the Chargers two and two, and then the Raiders one and three. And I think the Raiders are a pretty good one and three team. Also, some people look they're they're almost zero and four. The only thing I'll say about the Raiders, and I, I like the Raiders more than I should, you know. So this this is a, a a bit of my bias coming through here because I really wanted Gruden to do well. Um, they could easily be 0-4, but against that re- first game against the Rams, they came out really strong. I-, I think they have the pieces there to really put together a good performance and win games against anyone in this division. It's just I, I think the mojo after that Khalil Mack trade and everything going on, it's it- it's heading in the wrong direction. But I think the talent is definitely there. I'm a big Derek Carr fan. But, I, no, I, I definitely agree that the division is not wrapped up, but Kansas City, the prohibitive favorite at this point, being 4-0. And let's not forget last year the Chargers were 0-4, and, and then they came back and almost won the division as well. So still plenty of football to be played. Yeah, they had a sleepy start this season last year, but they barely beat the 49ers last week yeah. on a backup QB. It's not exactly what you want if you're the Chargers. And granted, they're not good. They're not a good September team, and part of that is because their home environment is terrible. But I also think that eventually you have to start putting it up before you know it's it's too late because they they only have to make up two games right now. But if this continues, it's going to be too much for them to catch up with Kansas City. The Chargers have 16 away games every season. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Until they move to that new stadium when they have maybe an, a, a brighter fan base, the Chargers literally have 16 road games. It's ridiculous. Every, every I, year. I read a story this week that they're they're playing the Raiders this week and they're piping in crowd noise. Yes. They're playing oh, at that's home. Sad. <laughs> they're and piping the, in crowd noise for a home game. And let's obviously not forget that they're playing in a soccer stadium that holds thirty thousand people, and they yeah. still don't sell out. Yeah, and I don't I don't understand the move to LA, man. I they're, they're not going to be the they're going to be the second team in the city. You know, it's it seems like it's definitely the Rams city since they moved back there. As soon as the Rams, because I'm pretty sure Rams Rams did it first, right? They were the first to move back there. So why would you do it? I mean, the, they were so beloved in San Diego. It, it just doesn't really make sense to me. But I don't get a lot of the moves that that we see nowadays. Uh, just going back to the Jets for a second. Last week, you know, watching the highlights of that game, I think the pivotal moment or the pivotal drive for me was at the end of the first half, the Jets' last drive, where I believe it was a it was a turnover on downs, and then 
Well, first there was an interception that Darnold threw, and then it got called back on a penalty. But it was a really poor decision regardless, and he sort of lucked out. And then later on in the drive, it, it, he just couldn't thread the needle. But there were, and not all of them were, were his fault, but really close to completions that would have just been huge momentum boosts. And maybe you get a field goal, maybe you get a touchdown end of the first half to make the score 13-7 instead of, I think it was 16 nothing at the end of the first half. Not 100% sure on that. But it, was, it just seemed like it was a huge momentum drain right there for the Jets. And it, it, you, you can't. Help but think, always too little, too late, and really close. You, you know, I see the promise in Darnold, and I think they're moving in the right direction in terms of letting him loose and taking more shots down the field, but it's still not to the point where he's clicking on on, on all cylinders with with these guys. But you can't expect it. It's, it's only four weeks into his NFL career, so I think that's to be expected. Yeah, he has 868 yards to start the season with four touchdowns and five picks. I mean, interceptions were a problem for him at USC. But also, Todd Bowles has got to step it up because he's essentially playing for his job. At the end of the season, if they're again five, five and eleven, six and ten, if they could, they need to improve from last year. If they have not improved, he'll be gone. And I really hope that if they do end up firing Todd Bowles, they hire an offensive coach mm. and maybe get him somebody, get Sam Darnold somebody who can have an, an, the same effect that Sean McVay had on Jared Goff. Remember Jeff Fisher and Jared Goff his rookie year. Horrendous. Everyone was calling Jared Goff a bust. He can't play in this league, and now look at him. Yeah, and you're absolutely right about that. And if you look at Darnold, his yards per attempt has gone down every week. The first week it was 9.4. The second week it was 8.1. And then you've got 5.45 against Cleveland and 4.9 against Jacksonville. I've had such an issue with the play calling from Jeremy Bates because they run that same stupid screen pass <laughs> every time where it's just like a wide receiver screen to a Nunwa or whoever is on the field at that point, and it's just so unimaginative. And like you said, Vinny, I think you're right. Take more shots down the field, open it up. Yeah, he's going to throw his picks. He's going to take his lumps. But we saw in that first game against Detroit, he threw one of the worst interceptions you will ever see in your life. And he he bounced back huge. And so you know that mentally it's not going to be a problem for him. So take your shots down the field. See what he can do. I don't see the harm in it, especially for a team that's really not going anywhere anyway. I I just think the play calling has been so ridiculous. Yeah, and Bowles' job security, just going back to that for a sec, is going to depend on how this team fights and how they look in the latter part of the season. No one's expecting them to make the playoffs this year. I don't think anyone really was going into the year. But if they're in close games and they, they show some fight and he remains in charge of this team, I think it's going to be – you never look for moral victories, but I think that that's what it's going to come down to for the Jets this year. It, the, the record, not so important, but I think it's going to be if, – if they're a 5-11, is it a 5-11 where they're getting blown out in 11 games or are, are they – somewhat close if their efforts like they were against the Jaguars this past week then I I don't see him retaining that job I do agree that going in an offensive direction would be refreshing if there was another Sean McVay sitting around I think the Jets definitely should and and would grab him but uh, those guys don't come around too often Um, you know last week I was saying that I think they will give Bulls another another year but now I'm I'm not so confident you made a compelling case right right there if 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 they have a another like I said another bad season they're going to shift to an offensive coach. I mean, look look at the past coaches they've hired. Rex Ryan, Eric Mangini, Todd Bowles, Herm Edwards, all defensive guys. It, it's time for the Jets to turn the page and think about the other side of the ball because you have your franchise quarterback. They need to make something happen in New York. Yeah, I, th- I think he's done as well. I think another season, like you said, Charlie. But I think it's more than that. It's just the energy and the play calling, I just think, hasn't been there for the Jets. And that's the things you look for when you decide whether or not to keep a guy. And I think, like Charlie said, 
you need an offensive guy for Sam Darnold to lead him along. If they get that, he could be really good. But right now, it's just not happening. So that'll do it for our Jets talk. We're going to go into our Giants report from beat reporter David Spampanato. But first, it's time for the Fantasy sit with Chris Baccia. First Dunn is a veteran quarterback we all love. It's Drew Brees. But Brees is a four, poor fantasy play against a solid Washington defense. Future Hall of Famer threw for just over 200 yards against the Giants last week, and he didn't find the end zone. I love Brees. We all love him. But I'm not starting him in my lineup. And then my second dud, my sit him. It's a conglomerate. I'm talking about underperforming backs that you might have drafted in the first three or four rounds and you feel a certain commitment to this guy. I'm talking about the Jordan Howards, the Dalvin Cooks, Lamar Miller, Kenyon Drake, Derrick Henry. I don't care who it is. If he's not playing well, sit him. Sit him and wait until he starts to play well. Don't feel obligated because you drafted him highly. That's a piece of unsolicited advice. And then my third dud, Devontae Adams, Green Bay wide receiver heading to Detroit Detroit defense is the second best defense against opposing receivers. Adams is banged up. I'm sitting him. I'm starting any plug-in receiver that I like on my bench. Those are my duds. Frustration for the New York Giants is approaching its boiling point. Last week's 33-18 loss at the hands of the New Orleans Saints has everyone pointing fingers. The original blame was placed on the offensive line for the Giants' lack of success. Now a lot of that blame is being shifted to Eli Manning. While Manning's completion percentage ranked second in the league only behind Drew Brees, his yards per completion rank in the basement of the league. Manning is also yet to complete a pass over 40 yards and has only completed nine passes over 20 yards. In order for the Giants to keep up with Cam Newton and the Carolina Panthers, big plays need to be made on the offensive side of the ball. In order for that to happen, Pat Shermer needs to draw up plays for his big-time playmakers, Saquon Barkley and Odell Beckham. Barkley only had 10 carries last week, which is unacceptable, not only because of how talented Barkley is, but also the offense becomes incredibly predictable. Coach Shermer admitted he needs to get his star running back more touches, and I hope to see him get at least 20 carries this week. If you're frustrated with this Giants team, Odell Beckham is on another level. While blame can be placed on a lot of people for this 1-3 start for the Giants, Beckham is not at fault. I don't know. I'm doing everything I can. Uh, I, I put my all into this. Beckham is an elite deep threat in the league, and Pat Shermer should treat him as such. Today, the 25-year-old receiver told ESPN he wants to see more heart and urgency out of this team, and I agree with him. On the medical side, the Giants will be without Olivier Vernon and Evan Ingram. Eli Apple will be good to go, and you can bank on Damon Harrison suiting up despite the knee injury he's battled since week three. Cam Newton is going to be a different animal for this Giants defense to handle. He can beat you with his arm and his legs, and putting Christian McCaffrey in the backfield makes his team incredibly hard to beat. With the way the Giants have played so far, I don't see them leaving Carolina with a victory. Panthers win 24-16. Covering the New York Giants, I'm David Spampanato, WFUV Sports. Great stuff from our Giants beat reporter, David Spampanato. I don't know how you could argue with what he was saying there about getting Saquon Barkley and Odell Beckham more involved. As I've said before, two of the most skilled skilled players in the league, and they're on the same team, and they're not being utilized as much. It's, it's 
frustrating as a Giants fan. But it, the, to me, the X factor, and I, I don't want to beat a dead horse here, but it's getting Eli Manning protection. We saw in the one win against Houston they had this year, he got great protection. He had one of the best games I've ever seen Eli Manning play. So that's what it's going to come down to for me. Carolina is going to be extra rested coming off the bye week. And I get that they're home, but I think the Giants could win this just because the urgency is going to be there. If they if they go 1-4, and four, I think the season's over, no? Yeah, but I'm also going to counter-argue you on your point about the protection. I mean, they did change up Eric Flowers. He's no longer on the offensive line. They, they put in Chad Wheeler. He's, the protection over the past two weeks has looked very solid. I just I think the problem with the Giants is Eli Manning. Mm. I don't mm-hmm. think he has it anymore. I think that he, the way he runs the offense is not up to par with uh, the way that the NFL is run today. He's not making throws downfield. He's not taking chances. He's throwing a lot of short passes. He just His arm strength isn't there anymore. I just don't think that Eli Manning is the quarterback for this team anymore, and that's why I think they should have probably drafted, whether it was Sam Darnold or Josh Rosen, instead of Saquon Barkley, because you could have. Look at his number. He's putting up monster numbers. He's having a very good rookie season. But they're one and three, and with no without a quarterback, you can't win game games in this league. I'll counter you on one of the things you said, Charlie, because I think I'm one of the like five or ten people on earth who's still saying that the Giants made the right decision in taking Barkley at two. I just think, I'm with you there. I'm one of those five or all ten. All right, good, awesome. Right. Uh, I think you, you have to take the best player available at that spot, and like you said, he's having a great year to this point, and he's probably going to continue to do so because he's that talented. And I think we've seen with Eli Manning, if he does get that good protection, like you said, Vinny, he's a pretty good quarterback, but granted, there are times when it's painful to watch him play because he misses guys deep. He's got, I saw in the first game against Jacksonville, he had Odell wide open on a go route. Wound up being the difference in the game, actually, because they lost by five, and he just missed them. And whether it's that recognition of not seeing them when they go deep or just not being able to hit them in stride, it's kind of hard to watch. And this is a guy where you have to legitimately think about either signing somebody for one year and then drafting a quarterback in 2020, or you got to get somebody next year. Because I just don't think Eli Manning's going to be the guy. Pat Shermer was talking about three years. I don't think he's got three years. I think he's got one at most. Odell doesn't have a receiving touchdown this year. Right. Yeah, that's pretty absurd. But my thing is I, I, I can't put all that blame on Eli. And, look, I, I'm a big Eli hater mostly, but he changed my mind the way he looked in that week three. I thought nah. his passes were on point. So you, you say you need a new quarterback. Is it the mobility that you have a problem with with Eli, or is it what? What is your biggest issue with how he's, he's just not this year? hitting receivers downfield? He's not making, he's not taking chances anymore. He's but just, I think that's he's be- playing too conservatively. That's because of pass protection, though. I think if he had the time Tom Brady had yesterday, he would take the shots downfield to Josh Gordon. You know what I'm saying? I, I think you're right that the pass protection is not the best, but the Eric Flowers problem is not the he, he's not the excuse anymore. They ha- he's getting protection on his left side. And he's they're still having they still can't win games. I never realized that Eli's numbers are actually pretty good. He's completing seventy four percent of his passes, which you would never believe. Over a thousand yards, over two hundred yards a game, four TDs, one pick. But the problem is this offense has been so safe yeah. earlier in the season, and he completes a lot of those checkdowns, and that's all well and good. But that's not going to really move the needle for that offense, where they haven't scored thirty points I think since twenty sixteen. I heard the other day, so. You're gonna eventually. You're gonna need somebody else in there, but I think Eli is actually better than we've been talking about him being. But he's just he's got to hit a few of those throws downfield, and until he does, that offense just isn't gonna do a lot. And that's where I'll agree with you guys in terms of the conservative nature of the play calling so far. They have been very safe. Uh, th- those numbers are a little bit artificial there, just in the sense that 
A lot of those are checkdowns to Barkley that are not going for, for too long. Apart from that week three victory, they looked really bad in week two. And look, I, I agree that uh, I, I think Eli's time is up pretty soon and they should invest in a new quarterback soon. I just don't think it's the biggest of their problems this year. The defense doesn't get talked about as, uh, enough. I don't think defensively, Look, the the fact they're not going to score thirty points, and a lot of times they're letting up more than thirty points. So just simple logic there. They're not going to win many games with with that going on. Defensively, they got to step it up. I know that they have some injury problems. I know Olivier Vernon hasn't played yet this season, but yeah, you're right. Guys like Landon Collins have to step up. Janoris Jenkins have played a really good game against Jacksonville in Week One, but they're really not getting much production from this defense. No, they're giving up over 100 rushing yards per game. Part of that's being behind in a lot of those games, too. But, I mean, even you saw in the Dallas game, they got ripped apart on a bunch of plays. So they're letting bad offenses play better against them than they otherwise usually would. And like you said, Charlie, they're really missing Olivier Vernon in the middle because he helps out a lot in that run sport. He can also go back, cover the pass. And when they get him back, they're going to be a better defense. But right now... My lord, I mean, they really, really miss Olivier Vernon. He's probably the biggest loss, one of the biggest losses, I think, for any team, really in the league, because he affects that defense in so many ways. It's not like the big names aren't there. It's not like they weren't a pretty good defensive team two years ago when they made the playoffs and lost to Green Bay. Green in Bay, the first round. yeah, the, the boat fiasco, and it seems like it's been totally downhill since then. I, I don't think I've ever seen a just su- such a sharp decline. You know, since that game, it, the, the whole narrative for the franchise has completely changed, whereas. Going into that, you thought they were on on the rise and going to be Super Bowl contenders in in the near future with Odell coming into his prime and everything. It's it's crazy how that happens. And then last year, you get into just everything. I mean, you could go into a million different directions with what happened last year. But bottom line is, it it wasn't good, and the Giants are going to need to turn things around rather quickly. I I think it's must win. Would you guys agree with that this Absolutely. week? Of course, it's must win. I mean, it's can't get harder than playing Carolina after a bye week in. Carolina. Christian McCaffrey is bound to have a good game. Cam Newton is probably going to try and run all over this defense. Mm. If they don't keep them in check early, this game could get ugly. Yeah, I mean, you look at the percentage of teams that make the playoffs when they go to 1-4, and very low. I think you have to win this game. If not, probably not going to make the playoffs. They're probably not going to make the playoffs either way, but I think this might be like the nail in the coffin, and stopping Cam Newton, that's going to be the main prerogative for the Giants. I think for the second year in a row, both New York teams will probably end up with a top-five pick. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. Makes happening. for an exciting draft, exciting offseason. If there's any, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Uh, silver lining. There you go. And on that note, we'll send it over to Chris Baccia for our final fantasy take, and then we'll get into Pickums, where Chris will join us, and I'll try to improve my awful record up until this point. <laughs> All right, guys, I'm going to give you some sleepers, and I'm going to start in Atlanta, Pittsburgh. That's going to be a shootout, so I'm starting Mohamed Sanu. He caught for over 100 yards last week against a pretty good Cincinnati defense. I like him. I like any kind of receiver running back who's on either of those teams. I'm starting those quarterbacks, too, if I have them. Quincy Anunwa, he's established himself as Sam Donald's favorite target. He's going to be up against a pretty vulnerable Denver pass defense. I'm starting Anunwa. No question about it. And then third, this is my favorite pick of the day. I'm putting TJ Yeldon in lineups against Kansas City. When he gets more than 15 touches in a game over the course of his career, Yeldon averages 15 points per game. He's getting those touches with Leonard Fournette out. I'm starting Yeldon. I'm starting Anunwa. I'm starting Sanu. Those are my sleepers. That's the fantasy take. All right, so- here we go. Time for Pick'em. 
favorite part of the show each week. I'll start with Titans-Bills. I'm going to have to go Titans. I think the Bills' one win was a total fluke, and the Titans have surprised me. Uh, I'm definitely also going to go with the Titans. Buffalo Bills had that fluke game against the Vikings, but they show that they're a terrible team against the Packers. Titans all the way. Yeah, I think the Bills are awful. I'm taking the Titans. This is one of the easier ones. This is a trap game for Tennessee. They're coming off that big win against Philly. They went forward in overtime. I think the Titans win a close one. Falcons at Steelers. This is an interesting one to me. I think the Steelers have their worst football behind them. If they get Le'Veon Bell back, watch out for them in that division. I'm going Steelers. I'm going to go with the Falcons on this one. They've lost the past two weeks on very close outcomes. I think that Matt Ryan lights it up again. The Steelers' defense will struggle. You're going to go with Matt Ryan and the Falcons. I don't think the Falcons are going to fall to 1-4. and four. I think um, they're going to go into Pittsburgh and bring it, and I think they're going to win this game. It's going to be close, though. Atlanta's lost three games by 13 points. They're better than people think. Give me the Falcons. We've talked about this one a lot. Broncos at Jets. I already gave you my pick and my reasons why I'm going Broncos. I'm also going to go with the Broncos. I think Sam Darnold will struggle for the third or fourth straight week in a row. It, it won't get easier, so Denver. I think the Jets are going to put pressure on Case Keenum. I think they're going to give him a really hard time, and I think they're going to pull, pull this one out. It's going to be one of those um, wins that you look back at and say, we didn't play that great, but we pulled it out. I think the Jets will have a spirited effort. No Casey Rogers. They're going to come to play for their defensive coordinator. It's a letdown game for Denver. Against my better Angels, I'm going to take the Jets. <laughs> Jags at Chiefs. We circled this one as game of the week. I think Mahomes gets down again, but then comes back for another victory to put the Chiefs at 5-0. and I'm going to go with the Jacksonville Jaguars. I don't think that Pat Mahomes will do well against Jalen Ramsey in that defense, and I think Blake Bortles puts on a show. I don't think Blake Bortles puts on a show. I have Kansas City. Kansas City's defense is terrible. They're one of the worst in the league. They've gotten away with it the past four weeks. They're not going to get away with it against a great team. In Jacksonville, I like the Jaguars. Best team in the AFC right now. Packers at Lions. Somehow the Lions are favored in this one, surprisingly, at, at 1-3. and three. I'm going to go with the Packers. Uh, in, in Aaron Rodgers, we trust. I'm going to go with the Lions on this one. I know they, they lost on a last-second field goal last week. They're going to come back and upset Aaron Rodgers. Now, the Lions are pretty uh, a pretty trendy pick here, but I'm taking Green Bay, Rodgers. Uh, I, I just... I don't really believe in this Detroit team. Yeah, the Lions, that's a situation to watch going on this season. I don't think they're very good. I like the Packers, even though I don't know about two-thirds of their receivers they're starting this week. Ravens at Browns. The Browns have been impressive in virtually every game this year, except when it comes to finishing. And as much as I am a Joe Flacco hater, Ravens impressed me last week. I'm going to go Ravens in a close one. I feel like the sleeper pick of the week is to pick Cleveland at home, but I, I just I can't do it. I'm going to go with the Ravens. I'm also taking the Ravens. I actually think Flacco is playing some of the best football he has in quite some time. Baltimore looks pretty legitimate to me. All right, Charlie, I'm going to do the thing you couldn't. Give me the Browns. Giants-Panthers season on the line for the Giants. I think they find a way to do it on the road. Give me the Giants. Giants? Wow, I'm going to go with the Panthers. <laughs> yeah, I got the Panthers too. I, I think the Giants team is uh, even worse than we're saying. Panthers running away. I think they, they win this one pretty easily. Dolphins at Bengals. Battle of the 3-1 and one surprise teams. Give me the Bengals at home. I'm going to also go with the Bengals, like you said. I, I think Miami's one of the worst 3-1 and one teams we've seen in some time. They, they've pulled out some ridiculous wins. I got Cincinnati all the way. I think the Bengals could win this division right now. They're playing really well. Nobody talks about it. Give me Cincinnati. Raiders at Chargers. Look for the Raiders to build on last week. I like them beating the Chargers at home. We talked about it throughout the 
the Jets segment, the Raiders are going to go in and make it a home game, and they're going to they're going to beat the Chargers. I mean, I, I don't want to be the third guy to pick the upset, and I'm mostly picking this not because I believe in the Raiders, but because I think the Chargers are uh, not a very good team. I'm taking the Raiders as well. Well, the Chargers calendar turned. September is over. They go to October. They're going to play better, and they're going to win. Cardinals at 49ers. Battle for the bottom right here. I'm going to go Niners in a close one, uh, even with no Garoppolo. I think I think the Niners get it done. I'm going to go with I'm going to make this my upset of the week and say that the Cardinals get their first win of the season. I think the Cardinals are going to get their first victory as well. I'm excited to see Josh Rosen, and I think David Johnson has got to get his run game going. It has to happen at some point. Yeah, Josh Rosen actually played pretty well last week against Seattle. Tough luck loss. I don't see any tough luck this week. I like the Cardinals. Vikings at Eagles. So far, you don't know which Vikings team you're getting. I, I think they're going to come to play this week. The Eagles have been so-so, but Wentz is back. Uh, I'll still go Vikings here. The Vikings' defense has been so bad this year to start. I just can't go with their defense again. I'm going to go with Carson Wentz and the Eagles. Defense has been poor. Offensive line has been atrocious. I like that Eagles pass rush. I think Philadelphia wins this one. Yeah, I'm also going to go with Philly. I think this is the game that Carson Wentz puts it together. Runs back in a form. I think the, the Eagles win it. Rams at Seahawks. I think the Rams keep going, go to 5-0. and The Seahawks are in trouble this year. The Rams are rolling, make it 5-0 and Rams. This is my upset of the week. I have Seattle at home. I think they're going to beat a Rams team that might be getting a little overzealous. I think this is actually also my upset pick. No, I'm just kidding. Rams, best team in football right now. They're going to win this. I, I could see this being a blowout like last year. Four or five touchdowns. I think the Rams win running away. Jimmy throws a curveball there. Cowboys at Texans. Big game for both teams. I'm, I'm going Texans. I'm going to go with the, the Dallas Cowboys on this one. I like the Dallas Cowboys as well. I like Dak Prescott. I think they're going to beat the Texans. So the Texans could easily be 0-4 right now, and yet somehow I keep coming back. <laughs> Give me Deshaun Watson. Give me the Texans. And finally, Redskins at Saints. Big game for Breeze, getting a 500 career touchdowns, I believe. I think the Saints take it against a very capable Redskins D. Good, good game, though. Not only will he throw his 500th touchdown, he could throw his 500th touchdown. He'll pass Peyton Manning for the most passing yards ever in the NFL history if he throws 201 yards I think he'll get it and they'll win I'm always impressed by ESPN they're able to get the perfect games and they do it preseason I think Redskins Saints is going to be an awesome game I'm excited but I got the skins I think they're a pretty legitimate team I think the Redskins are better than we all thought they were because Alex Smith is a really good quarterback but I like the Saints too much. I think they're going to win at home in the Superdome. I think a late touchdown wins it for them. This was a great game last year. It'll be a great game this year as well. But I like the Saints. So that'll do it for our pick em. Hopefully I improve my record, my abysmal record so far. And that'll do it for our show this week. For Vinny DeBellis, Charlie Maizano, Chris Baccia on Fantasy, Jimmy Sullivan and Artemis Segaris producing. Thanks for tuning in and check in next week for NFL Friday. <laughs>